0: And now, for the moments that remain, I'd invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. I'm just going to read um, a portion of the chapter, and I'm going to add one verse in chapter 4. See if you can figure out uh, what these verses have in common, where the emphasis is. Hebrews chapter 3, let's begin in verse 6. But as Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation." And then jump down to chapter 4 Just one verse, verse 7 Again he limiteth a certain day Saying in David Today, after so long a time As it is said, today if ye will hear his voice Harden not your hearts Amen, we know the Lord will add his blessing To the reading of his word For his name's sake Did you catch the emphasis? I probably made it pretty obvious, didn't I? The word today. Had an interesting visit with Minerva this past week. Went to see her, took her lunch, and she was making reference to a sermon that she had heard long ago in which the subject of the sermon was today. I thought, well, that's rather interesting. I'd never thought about that as a topic for a sermon. and In doing a little bit of research, I discovered, yeah, the Bible has quite a bit to say about today. Rather interesting to consider from the Bible various time perspectives, if you will, that are given to us in the Word of God. Perspectives that Make this book unlike any other book you could find anywhere. For example, this book takes us all the way back to before the beginning, you might say. We know from Genesis 1-1, don't we, in the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth, and that is the beginning of the Bible, but it's not the beginning of what is covered in Scripture. You actually are taken before that period into eternity past. And most notably, in John's Gospel, chapter 17, in Christ's high priestly prayer, you find Christ making reference to eternity past, to that time uh, during the council of the persons of the Trinity, you might say, when redemption was being planned and the task fell to Christ to come into this world. And if he would be willing to do so, a people would be given to him. And you find reference to those people being given to him before the foundation of the world. So this book takes us all the way into eternity past. And you can also uh, turn in the total opposite direction and go out into eternity future because it takes us there too. That we know that there is a new heaven and a new earth coming wherein will dwell righteousness When the people of God will be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the judgment day and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God forever. So we go from eternity past to eternity in the future. This book is really quite a marvelous book, isn't it, for what it does from that perspective. And then you can look at it also from a historical perspective. It takes us to the beginning of history. And that's where we start in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Here is the God of time establishing time. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It takes us there and it takes us all the way to the end of time. In the book of Revelation... So uh, within eternity past, eternity future, we have the whole scope of time from beginning to end. But then we see another focus that comes out of Scripture, and that's our topic of study for today, and that is the emphasis on right now, today, the here and now. So... A number of verses that I want you to look up and follow along with me. Maybe we should pass out, you know, you ever seen those rubber thumbs that secretaries use for flipping through pages? Maybe we should have passed those out so you could be equipped to flip through the pages. Although those of you who are on your electronic devices, you probably are able to get through these things fairly quickly. But at any rate, Let's look at a number of references in the New Testament. I'm restricting uh, the parameters of our study to the New Testament today. And let's see what an emphasis is placed on right now, here, today, the here and now. The first reference I have is given to us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. This is Christ speaking. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching us how to pray. And in verses 9 through 11, we read these words. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. The side note here in the original Greek The phrase this day is identical to the word today. Unusual phenomenon in our King James Bibles that you see that word today uh, actually divided by the syllables to and day. Uh, almost to indicate that it's two words. Well, it's one word in the Greek, and it's the same word as the word this day. Give us this day our daily bread. So what do we take from a lesson like that when it comes to our daily bread? Simply this, that it needs to be sought daily. That God is pleased to give it to us daily, and we must seek him for it. I think I probably pointed out along the way that if we had our way, we would say, Lord, give me this week my weekly bread. Better yet, give me this month my monthly bread. Because if you'll do that, Lord, if you'll give me everything that I need for a month, I won't have to seek you for a whole month. I'll have everything I need. That's not how the Lord wants to be pursued. He wants to be pursued on a daily basis. And this is true especially when it comes to our spiritual food. The manna came down from heaven, didn't it, on a daily basis. And so our heavenly manna is ministered to us on a daily basis. And so I wonder this afternoon, do you seek the Lord daily? for your daily bread. You need to. You may think you can get away without doing it, but over time, if day by day, uh, you are negligent in this score, well, you may not realize how much you are contributing over time to what can only be described as a hard heart. We'll have more to say to that when we get to these verses in Hebrews. Hebrews. So there's the first instance. Give us this day our daily bread. Next instance, also in Matthew's Gospel, just a few verses down in chapter 30, Matthew 6 and verse 30, where Christ again is speaking. We're still in the Sermon on the Mount. Christ says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Here Christ is calling upon us to consider the things that come and go within the space of a day, making reference to the grass of the field and the flowers in that grass. We have behind our house a magnolia bush, rather large one, it's starting to blossom already. The thing about that tree is, we get a few more windy days like what we've had, those blossoms will be gone (laughs) so quickly. They come and go so fast. And the thing that we need to note here is that if God is so mindful of things that come and go that quickly, how much more value do you hold to him than the temporal things that come and go in a day so in this case the reference to today conveys to us a lesson of how valuable we are to God if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow's cast into the oven shall he not much more clothe you o ye of little faith oh may our faith, be strong in the Lord by recognizing the value that we hold to the Lord. I know it's not hard to build a case against ourselves when we consider our sins and our shortcomings and that at our best we fail to measure up. And I've always found it fascinating to contemplate Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1 in that connection when he prays basically that the saints at Ephesus would know uh, what is the hope of his calling and what are the exceeding riches uh, of the greatness of his inheritance in us and the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word. I paraphrased it terribly. But the thing to find in that section in Ephesians 1 is that Paul is praying for the saints at Ephesus, Ephesus, not simply that they will know the value of Christ to them. I could understand that kind of prayer. But what Paul wants them to know, and he is praying for them to know this, the value that they hold to Christ. We are his inheritance. And Paul wants us to know that in the depth of our heart. Because if we do know that, we will be the more convinced that we are, in fact, in spite of ourselves, very valuable to God. If you ever doubt that, just stop for a moment and reflect on the price that Christ was willing to pay to redeem you. That's how valuable you are. Okay? Next reference. This is in Matthew 16. Beginning in verse 1, I'll read the first three verses. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came, and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, When in this evening ye say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering, Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Foul weather today. And even as far back as uh, ancient times, they, they knew the weather. <laughs> they knew what it would be like. They could tell in the evening what the next day might be like. Well, how much more are we able to Read the weather and know what a day will bring. Indeed, we are able to know in some measure what the next 10 days may bring. And the point that Christ is making on this occasion is if you know how to calculate the weather correctly and you can tell what kind of day it's going to be, can you not discern the signs of the times? What are the signs of the times in our day and age. I suppose this could take up an entire subject of its own at some point. But certainly when we look at the kind of world we live in, when we look at how uh, rapidly we seem to be descending into the abyss uh, of sin and perversity and immorality, I would say the signs of the times are we are ripe for judgment and we're headed for it. And in God's wrath, we need to pray that he would remember mercy. And indeed, we need to pray that we would be of such a mindset to align ourselves out of loyalty to God and being able to say, Amen, when the judgment comes. We'll have a little more to say about this in our studies of Elijah, especially when we get into chapter 19. And Elijah is um, complaining that he's the only one left. He was not actually reading the Times right, but he wasn't far off. It was certainly a time of increased idolatry and apostasy. But we need to be able to discern, at least in some measure, the signs of the Times. We know, don't we, whatever your millennial position happens to be, we know that we are racing toward the second coming of Christ. We're a day closer to it now than we were yesterday. Uh, well, However it works itself out we, in, in various prophetic schemes. And the signs of the times would seem to indicate that it's drawing closer still. And that judgment is drawing closer still. But that revival could be drawing closer still as well. Because the way I read the times in the book of Revelation is you have a church that's revived. You have a world that's under judgment. You have Christians that are under persecution. And you have Christians that are victorious because they're revived by the Spirit of God walking with Him. So we have that reference, okay? Uh, to the weather. Luke chapter 2 and verse 11 we think of this one primarily at a certain time of year the message of the angel to the shepherds for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord stop and think about that for a moment what that really indicates to us is that Christ really did on a specific and designated day. He did step out of heaven into this world. He was born of the virgin. He really did come into the space and time dimension as it were. We can't pin down that day. We don't know that December 25th was that day and I like to point out when we're in the holiday seasons that um We are not bound to December 25th. We don't know that that was the day that Christ came into this world. But we know that there was a definite day in which he did come, and that he truly did come. And so we are happily uh, rejoicing that there did come a very specific day. Unto you was born this day, a day in history, a definite day when Christ came into this world. Luke chapter 19 and verse 9. This is the story of Zacchaeus. You remember it. Zacchaeus was short of stature. He had to think outside the box in order to catch a view of Christ. So he climbed up the tree. He saw Christ. Christ stopped right in front of that tree Zacchaeus, come down for this day I must eat at your house. And a little further in verse 9, we read, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation. Come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. There is an appointed day when salvation does come to the people of God. A definite time in a definite place, in definite power. When the Lord commanded the light to shine in your heart, you came to see the truth of your sin. You came to see the truth of Christ. That happened on a particular day when salvation came to your house. In close connection with that, in Luke 23 and verse 43, This is Jesus now from the cross. He is crucified between two thieves. Initially, the thieves joined in with the crowd in mocking Christ. Along the way, one of them had a change of heart. You could say, that day salvation came to that thief, to that robber. And in verse 43 of Luke 23, we read, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today. There is a definite day in which you will be called out of this world. And I wonder, how will it fare for you on that day? Will this truth be um, said of you today, on the day of your departure Today, the appointed day of your death, will you be with Christ in paradise? You can add to this verse a cross-reference to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, where the author writes, For it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. An appointed day. There has been a day assigned to you that you are going to depart out of this world. It's appointed unto man to die. I fall back on that quite a bit. I remember in the days when my mother passed away, it became very tempting to second-guess ourselves. How many people do you know that die because of knee replacement surgery? That was the case with my mom. Not that anything went wrong with uh, the knee replacement itself. They didn't give her the right medication to keep her blood thin. And so as a result of that, clots formed in her system post-surgery, and one of those clots lodged in her lung, and she left this world. I know it would have been tempting to think, should we have talked mom out of that surgery? Uh, Did she really have to go through with that? Uh, It it seems like so many things could have been done to have uh, prevented her death on that day. And I found myself having to fall back on the truth of Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man once to die. That was an appointed day for my mother. And that appointment was going to be kept uh, come what may. And that's true of all of us. And you don't know what that day is. You don't know how far down the road that day is. This is so important for young people to take into account. That day is coming. Young people are tempted to think, I'm going to be in this world forever. Or at least for the next 150 years. Uh, You don't know that. You don't know that you'll be in this world tomorrow. It is appointed unto man once to die. And in the case of the thief, however, this was an appointed day for him to enter glory. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Well, let me jump down now to the section we've just covered uh, from Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 3 verses 7 and 8. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Today, if you will hear his voice. Now, that voice doesn't come as an audible voice uh, out of the air, That voice comes by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Today, if you will hear it, don't harden your hearts to it. I'm absolutely amazed at people that would put off salvation, that would delay responding to the gospel as if they have so much more time to think about it. You don't know that. You don't know that at all. Today, If you'll hear his voice, today is the day to respond to Christ by going to him in prayer. To use the words of the hymn, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Today is the day for that. Okay? Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, notice the authority behind the exhortation. This is something, the quote is from the 95th Psalm, but you'll notice, and this is along another line of thought, this is interesting to note how the author of Hebrews recognizes the inspiration of the Old Testament. He attributes what the psalmist wrote to the Holy Ghost. As the Holy Ghost saith, today, if ye will hear his voice, Harden not your hearts. And the longer you put off responding to him, responding to the invitation, and indeed the command by Christ to come to him, the more that you put that off, the harder your heart can become. The more insensitive you can grow toward the things of God. Verse 13 in Hebrews 3, and this kind of stresses Um, a responsibility that we have one toward another, where the author says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. This speaks of our congregational gatherings, that among the things we are to do is to provoke one another to good works and to exhort one another daily. Today, this very day, while it is called today, and our our failure to encourage each other in the things of the Lord can lead to a hardening of our hearts through the deceitfulness of sins. Oh, how we need to take one another to heart and pray with and for each other and encourage each other in the things of the Lord. Hebrews 3.15, basically a repeat. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. Then in chapter 4, and verse 7, and we see what an emphasis now is placed on today. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying, in David, today... After so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. I wonder today, is your heart open to the word of God? Is your heart open to the spirit of God? Have you responded to the gospel? Will you respond to the gospel? This is not something that you really have the liberty of putting off. Well, there's some things I have to think about. Not really. Today is the day. I close with this text. It doesn't mention the word today, but it certainly puts the focus on it. In 2 Corinthians 6, verses 1 and 2, We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain, Well, there's a study that's worth taking up. What does it mean to receive the grace of God in vain? It means you hear of it, you learn of it, you're exposed to it, you never respond to it. You've received it in vain. Don't do it, Paul is saying. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today. So there's, there's the focus of it. We're in a day of salvation, metaphorically speaking, but the emphasis is on now, this very day. This is not something that you really have the liberty to put off because you do not know what a day may bring forth. I know that it's a very popular Thing with evangelists to tell heartrending tales of young people that they knew who thought they were going to live forever and tragically died the next day in a car accident. And, and, and maybe evangelists can bit, get a little carried away with those stories, but you know, there is something to be said for them as well. The truth of it. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Solomon writes in Proverbs. So today is the day. Today, don't harden your heart. Today, receive God's Word. Receive Christ. If you never have, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. This is not something to be put off, folks. It is something to be appropriated immediately. Today. Let's close then in prayer. And as we're bowed in prayer, I'm going to extend the invitation to you to respond to the gospel if you never have today. Call on Christ. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm asking you to go to Christ. Go to Him. He's the Savior. Go to Him in prayer if you never have. And grant that you'll be able to say today was the day the Lord visited me with the truth of the gospel. O Lord, as we bow in thy presence and bring this meeting to a close, we thank thee for the emphasis that is placed on this very day in which we live. And O Lord, thou hast given us this day, and we thank thee for it. We don't know what tomorrow holds. There is no certainty in this life, O Lord. We know that all around us. We we see it illustrated all around us. O Lord, if there be those in this meeting today that have not yet responded to Christ, we pray that thou wilt strive with them. We pray that thou wilt penetrate their hearts, show them the reality of their sin and Christ's willingness to save them, And compel them, dear God, to flee to thee even this very day. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.